Welcome to the most overrated, underappreciated, most viewed, underviewed podcast of all time. Welcome to The Prince of Fresh Air. This is your host, you already know, the most charismatic man in entertainment. And I am back after a long hiatus with my man, Dimitri. How you doing, man? Zanin. You know, this is the perfect time to come back. Um, and do an episode because there's been a lot of stuff going on in the news. I and mean, me, you talked about it. Uh, we, we just did a spar match last Thursday, and we was talking about all the all the celebrity news going on from Mark Kelly to uh, you know, the recent arrest of the guy that killed uh, that young black man. Uh, but this topic in general, we're gonna be talking about is Kiki Palmer and Zendaya. And if you haven't heard about this topic, it's been something that I've addressed on this channel. Uh, with my buddy Odysseus, who had his own show on Netflix. I talked to other people who's been in uh, big movies, and we talk about colorism in Hollywood. And in this discussion, they compared Zendaya to Kiki Palmer, two young Black actresses who have different career paths, and um, a lot of people do think colorism is a big thing in Hollywood. So before I give my take and everything, um, you heard about the situation, right? Yeah, I heard a few things um, in passing, and I feel like I have a kind of sort of gist of what people were getting at when it comes to comparing the two of them. Oh, most definitely. And I, we did a podcast episode about this. I've talked to you about it. I talked to a couple other people who's had a little bit of success in Hollywood, and we've talked about colorism. And, uh, you know, a lot of people like to say, oh, it's not true. Oh, no, you know, you're just being racist. But it's evident and it's clearly evident. So let's right. get into this because uh, I think this is a big discussion that we do need to have. So apparently a couple of weeks ago, um, a tweet went out and uh, basically it was talking about how Palmer and Zendaya's careers is a prime example of how colorism plays out in Hollywood. Uh, you know, both of them, uh, Kiki Palmer is a little older. I think she's about 30. Zendaya is about our age, 24, 25. And they was talking about how both the, both of them got their start uh, in popular TV, uh, popular children's TV shows before having careers that included music. Um, they both went in Emmys and headlining Hollywood movies and other projects. But there's a clear um, divide with people about how Zendaya seems to be a little more popular in the mainstream, whereas Kiki Palmer kind of she's still popular but she's not in those, those roles that Zendaya get. So let me get your take on this, man. Do you think Hollywood is a big thing? Uh, colorism is big in Hollywood? We've seen this for a very long time that a lot of the women that kind of tend to cross over, you know, in, in the quote-unquote black community. Um, and I won't say in recent years, but I will say like, let's say the 2010s and prior especially in, you know, in the 90s, 80s, you know, long story short, it tends to be the fairer skinned, you know, the lighter skinned, you know, women, the women who have the more, you know, Eurocentric kind of features are, are the ones who tend to have, you know, the most crossover um, appeal. So, you know, and it's true. It's true. Uh, do I think it's a, it's a valid comparison? Not necessarily, because I feel like Zendaya and Kiki Palmer are, are in like two completely different lanes. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I, I think it's I think it's an asinine um, comparison, in my opinion. Right, before I, I, I give my take, I, I'm going to read a, a, 
a thing that Kiki Palmer responded uh, about this uh, whole debate when it first started. So this is what she said. And she tweeted this and did a couple of interviews. A great example of colorism uh, is to believe I can be compared to anyone. I'm the youngest talk show host ever. The first black woman to star on her own show on Nickelodeon and the youngest and first black Cinderella on Broadway. I am an incomparable talent, baby. This is Kiki Palmer. I've been a leading lady since I was 11 years old. I have over 100 plus credits and currently started an original screenplay that's the number one film at the box office, the new Jordan Peele uh, movie, Nope. I've been blessed. I've had a blessed career thus far. I couldn't ask for more, but God continues to surprise me. And, you know, I, beautiful. I think what she said was well said. Um, but I do think people have, you know, a reason to say that because I like Kiki Palmer. I'm sure you've seen her old children TV shows on Disney, Nickelodeon, and all that good stuff. But I do think there is a thing with colorism in Hollywood. You see it all the time, and I've talked about this. Zendaya, as much as people love her, she is the right complexion for certain roles that Kiki Palmer would not get. You know, Kiki mm -hmm. Palmer is not going to be Spider-Man's uh, love interest. She's not because she's not that 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 type of black person that they want. They want that. Well, fair skin. Well, let's, well, let's 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 call a spade a spade here. See, Zendaya is biracial, you know, so Kiki Palmer is is 100 percent black. OK, right. Zendaya has a white mother. So they're that's why I said it's it's apples and oranges in comparison in comparing those two, because they're not even really the same. Right. Oh, no, I agree with that. But I do think also there is a thing where just because there's some people who's interracial uh, or multiracial and still don't have that much success because they may not have that that skin tone that that can blend in with the white family and the black family simultaneously. Well, you wouldn't you know? even know that Zendaya was black unless she told you or if you saw her walking down the street with her father. That's the thing. Zendaya could easily fit in any racial category because she has a very ambiguous look like she 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 has you know the she could just appeal to more people whereas kiki palmer and i'm not going to say that kiki palmer can't appeal you know worldwide because she has already you know what i'm saying kiki palmer is you know like you said earlier she's famous she's she's popular as well it's just the comparisons are made i, I don't even know what even sparked this in the first place like who was the one who even made that comparison and like, where were they coming from when they made it in the first place? I'm not even sure who started this tweet. Um, I, don't, I don't think it was anybody famous, but um, no, you are 100% right. I think that they are, you can't really compare them to, but my thing is, it's bigger than just these two. There is a, a colorism aspect There's to Hollywood. There's been a col colorism thing for a very long time. But nobody, and I, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why people kind of use these two because in the eyes, like I always tell people, you know, I'm a Cuban and black man, but when the cops see me, I am a black man. They don't care if, you know, my father's from Cuba, nothing like that. I am a black man. And I think even though Zendaya is multiracial, let's be honest here. Most of the time, even though you're, you're, you're biracial or whatever the case may be, you know, most people want to say uh, you're black. No, I don't care how much not really. white, not, you know, not, for the not. most part. Not not Zendaya. You know why? Because her mo her mother's and mind you, disclaimer. I I am probably one of the hundreds of thousands of guys that's actually in love with Zendaya. I find her to be wildly attractive, and I also used to have a crush on Kiki Palmer too. But you see, her mother is white. She's in you know these predominantly white 
Productions, okay? Um, her boyfriend is white. Her boyfriends have been white. So it's not that you, you can't look at a girl like that and see that many traces of ebony up in her. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not like you look at Zendaya and you think black girl. Nah, especially walking down the street with, with Tom Holland and shit like that. Nah, nah. So yes, her father might be black, but where, where, who is she really rocking with? You know, when it comes to, you know what I'm saying? What she actually is. She's white. <laughs> like I said, three-fourths white, 25% black. Oh, you 100%. But I, you know what? I think the key point is their mainstream appeal, too, in this tweet. Because she, Zendaya, and this, this is not a slight on any woman. For me personally, this is just a discussion, especially right. regarding uh, colorism and race in Hollywood. Um, but I think the key point is their mainstream appeal. I think when Kiki Palmer was younger, she had that mainstream appeal. But as she got older, I don't think that she's able to do the same things that Zendaya would do. And granted, they have different ranges in, in terms of acting and, and stuff like that. Right. But I think when the higher ups of these movies and TV shows look at them too, you know what I'm saying? I don't think that Kiki Palmer would get the same opportunities as because Zendaya. She because to a certain demographic. Like you, right. you've heard that where like they'll say that black movies don't do well international. They only do well domestic. It's, it's the same thing because there are certain... You're right. Like they would cast Zendaya as, you know, MJ and Spider-Man over Kiki Palmer because these producers will feel like Kiki Palmer is just going to attract a certain kind of, you know, demographic. She only appeals to a certain kind of audience. And then on top of that, there's going to be more so of the interracial, you know, narrative and component because Kiki Palmer is a darker skinned black woman, whereas it's not going to be that you know, controversial or apparent with a girl like Zendaya, who is, again, looks to be, or actually is racially ambiguous. Right. Now, let me, let me, let me ask you, do you think that it is a, a, a still a stigma regarding dark-skinned Black people in Hollywood that they don't get as much roles? And granted, let, let me say this, I think Black Panther, uh, Jordan Peele, and all these other Black directors and producers, Tyler Perry, are doing an amazing job casting uh, all black cast and, and crew and stuff like that. But do you think that it's still a challenge for, let's say me and you opposed to someone like Zendaya in terms of getting roles? I feel like it's definitely harder for black women than it is for black men. Um, because I can think of, you know, I can count on two hands how many successful darker skin, you know, black male, you know, actors there are. But when it comes, you know, to black women, it's not as much. You know, I feel like the the opportunities are there, but they're not as in abundance. And then they have to I feel like they just have to jump through a bit more hoops to kind of make it to, let's say, the same echelons that black men have been able to reach. You know what I'm saying? Like you could think of Caleb uh, McLaughlin from Stranger Things, uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Damson Idris, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like actors like that are darker skin, you know, actors and they're highly successful, you know, and they are in demand. But let's say Kiki Palmer don't get, you know, probably as many opportunities thrown at her as let's say Zendaya does or another actors that I can't think of, if you get what I'm saying. So someone like Kiki can get a nope, 
and probably other films that she may be in. I, I'm not sure. I don't really, you know, check for her like that. But it's like niche kind of shows that appeal to a certain demographic. And it's not like a Dune or a Spider-Man that like all races of people are exposed to because everybody loves Spider-Man movies. You know, Dune is, is like a, is a worldwide sci-fi film that anybody can go see because it just has that appeal. Whereas, you know, let's say like, I don't know, like I could see Kiki Palmer being in like, let's say, uh, what's that show called that Issa Rae direct? Um, you know uh, what I'm talking about? Uh, nah. Yeah, I, I, I forgot the name, yo. Cause I don't, I don't watch that shit, but you know what I'm saying? Like a show like that, like just, you feel me? That has that certain like appeal to black audiences. Right. Let me see. I, no, you're right. You're right. And you know, one thing I will commend Kiki Palmer in doing is shutting down that comparison because. Oh, Insecure. Insecure is her show. Oh, Insecure. Oh man. I forgot yeah. about that show. Oh, um, Issa, Issa Rae is, is, she's so damn beautiful. Oh my gosh. But yeah, not continue. I'm sorry, man. No, no, you good. But one thing I will commend Kiki Palmer on is um shutting down that, those comparisons and, and and that debate because you know yesterday um when i was at the mo- movie premiere for that new movie secret headquarters uh, a lot of the, the the stars in that movie what which by the way the lead actors uh, owen wilson but a lot of the other leads in that in that movie were black people black kids black men black girls and i remember telling them i'm like you know what i i love seeing that um that opportunity and I will never look down on you for the opportunity. Would would I would like to be in that role? Absolutely. But I'm also not gonna be like, ah, you know, I, I'm competing with you now because I do think um with us uh, in general, I think a lot of black people tend to, you know, compare themselves to each other and try to one up one another or talk down upon one another. And I think she did a a, a great a service by shutting down those rumors because Kiki Palmer is rich. She still get acting opportunities. She's still famous and she's beautiful. Let's, you know, let's not forget that. And I do think that maybe. Um, Kiki Palmer just loses intelligence. Like, mind you, I, I've seen Nope twice and just watching her. She's just, I don't know, like, you know, this is a little fantasy of mine, but if I ever had kids with like, you know, Kiki Palmer, I feel like not only would they be like very, you know, cute kids, but then like they'd also be like very intelligent. But like I said, let me, let me stop, yo. <laughs> hey, man, shoot your shot. I ain't here to stop you. <laughs> hey, Zendaya too. Zendaya, Issa Rae, Kiki Palmer, hey, all, all types of, all shades of black. I'm with it. I'm with all that. Most definitely. Um, But you know what? Like I said, I, I do think that we, we shouldn't do that. And it's, I think we need to start instead of comparing the people to one another, there's not a lot of minorities in Hollywood to begin with, you know what I'm saying? So especially mainstream ones. So I think whoever's there, we should uplift them and, and, and always stay behind them and keep uplifting them to keep going forward because they will, you know, pay it back forward for the new generation. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, look at how many, uh, lately I will I will commend Netflix, Paramount, HBO, the new streaming services for giving minorities uh, a chance to have their own show to to be in a role that doesn't include slinging drugs on the corner, or shooting up the block. You know what I'm saying? So I will say there has been a, a, a slight change in the direction of Hollywood in terms of diversity. So I, I thank Kiki Palmer for shutting that down because she has had a successful career. She never had to 
uh, play, you know, a prostitute in a movie to become famous. You know, she did it by playing a, a, a cool role, a, a role that any girl could look up to. So um, do, do you have any final thoughts on that discussion right there? Um, my final thoughts is um, Zendaya, <clears throat> if you're listening to this or if you happen to hear this, let's say in the next five years after I become famous or something like that, and um, things don't happen to work out with Tom Holland and you want to go black, I will always be available for you until further notice. Um, you're not you're not light enough, man. For, <laughs> the same goes for um, Kiki Palmer. Uh, I'm six foot four and a half. Uh, I could dance. I could box. So, you know, if you got like a out-of-pocket ex-boyfriend or something, I could whoop his ass. That's good. Um, yeah, so Kiki Palmer, holla at your boy. Um, Issa Rae, I love you, same thing. Um, what's her name? Uh, 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 what's her name from Diana from Power? Yeah, uh, Latoya Tonadeo, same thing. I love all y'all. So I love black women. I'm only going to ever date black women. So, you know, if you're black and you're pretty and you're listening to this, uh, my Instagram is uh, Dimitri Dews Jr. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> Mr. DJ Das MDJ on YouTube. Uh, you know, I got pics. I got all that stuff. So, you know, come holler at your boy. Man, when did this show turn from a podcast to, to Flavor Flav and uh, uh, Love Violence? Wow. <laughs> yeah man speaking in terms of hollywood i I wanted to talk about this because this is a topic that we rarely address um and something that is very important to talk about so uh you know jeanette mccurdy right nope so jeanette mccurdy she she's a uh, actress who's been in hollywood for you know 20 plus years she's most known for the role of Sam and uh, the show iCarly. And she'd done other projects and stuff like that. Um, she recently came out and she created a memoir called I'm Glad My Mom Died. And in that book, she talks about the struggles of being a young child actor, the struggles she had to go through with her mother um, and stuff like that. So I'm going to just jump right to it because I think this is a hard hitting topic that we need to address. So um, the first thing that she, she talked about was how her mom kind of forced her to do acting. Um, at one point she really didn't enjoy it. And, you know, we hear stories about young child actors who parents force them to take these roles and do it for the money. And then the parents use their money to go on vacations, buy them new houses. And then, you know, when they get of 18, or adulthood, they got no more, they got no money in the savings account or wherever because the parents used it all. So, um, and one particular section, uh, I'm gonna start off with this part right here. Her mother, she talks about how her mother, um, when she was younger, about the age of 11, 12, she wanted her to stay young, stay fit stay uh, attractive so you want to know how she did that well her mother made her do a calorie restriction and so she basically made her go on diets eat a thousand calories or less a day she would have to eat uh cheese lettuce uh for dinner and stuff like that and she would you know try to maintain her appearance 
uh, what she ate, monitor everything. She would do vaginal checks, uh, you know, all that good stuff. What do you think about stuff like that? When, when you hear stories about, you know, child actors as they grow up and you hear these kind of stories, what do you think? Are you surprised? Um, I'm not surprised, man. I mean, it's just, you know, shitty, a shitty parent just trying to live vicariously through, you know, their children and just abuse them. I mean, really, that's that's all that is, you know, to me is just like abuse. And, you know, I, I don't my heart goes out to kids everywhere that just have to, you know, go to and, you know, from home every day. And then they just have parents that just are abusive in whichever way it is, you know, whether it's, you know, physical abuse, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse, you know, something as elaborate as that, you know, it, it sucks and it, it messes you up in your adulthood because it's just like you go, you know, from being underneath all that duress for the greater portion of your life. And then it's just like, you become an adult and it's just like, damn, like, you know, what now? I'm, you know, I'm surprised I haven't really, you know, caught wind of something like that, but you know, damn, it's just, it's just like the, the, the darker side of life that some people, you know, unfortunately they experience. It's the darker side of life. And it's also the darker side of Hollywood that we don't talk about. It's the same thing. Um, like I was talking I want my girlfriend Natalie about this, but back then, you know, with supermodels, I don't know if you remember the whole Victoria's Secret model and all these uh, high-end models uh, things where a lot of these models would go on uh, these bent, not benches, but they go on these severe calorie restrictions to stay thin, you know, maintain a certain figure um, and they would develop an eating disorder. And, um, you know, she was talking about how because her mom kind of started implementing that type of structure before puberty that it took her years upon years upon years of therapy um, to get rid of that, that, that unhealthy relationship with food. And it, it's something that a lot of people don't really know or talk about. You know, I look at Orlando Brown, I'm sure you've heard about him in recent news. He's been struggling with drug addiction since, um, that's so Raven. I, I think a little bit post that's so Raven, but he was talking, I was watching the interview and Dr. Phil, and he was talking about how he was, he started doing drugs right after that show ended because, you know, it was so much pressure on him and he had all this money. He was a kid who had came from no money, got all this money and it was just handed to him. All these drugs and stuff was handed to him. And then, you know, one day he just started, you know, just to try it. And then he's probably out of control. He's, he's one of few, of many child actors who go through alcohol abuse, substance abuse, uh, drugs, and they go, they, it leads to a darker path. Um, what do you think about parents who force their kids in these type of cir uh, circumstances? Because we, you know, we talked about this with the whole R. Kelly thing, and many people have addressed this about the whole R. Kelly thing too, where why the parents not being held accountable for the actions um, and putting the children in these positions. So uh, what, what do you think about that aspect? I mean, I had a father that was, you know, abusive. And the thing is, there's really nothing, there's really nothing you can do about it when you're a kid, honestly. Like you're, like, unless you have another parent or some type of relative that is gonna, you know, take matters into, you know, their, their own hands to kind of like protect you from what's going on, you're stuck, like, <laughs> 
even you you can call cps and tell them like yeah yo like this is what he's doing and then like if you don't have somebody else another guardian that's again gonna be there for you you're trapped like there's there's absolutely nothing you can do what i think about parents who are like that like i don't even know why they're on earth because i feel like that is one of the most sadistic evil things that you can do to uh, another human being that you brought into this world and then you know what what's worse is that you know that they're dependent on you and like they they can't do anything for themselves so it's like you're sitting there making their life a living hell and then you know damn well they can't do anything about it and no one is coming you know to their to their aid especially you know young black kids who you know what i'm saying like like have parents like that and then no one is going to step up you know to to help them out so you know that that's how i feel i, I think parents like that are trash you know the pieces of shit and i feel like you know there's i was gonna say like there's like like parents should have to go through like some sort of like psych eval you know before they go and take the babies home because it's like yo you don't even know what type of home a lot of these babies are going to right and you know one thing i will commend sag after and doing and i learned this early on because i remember i was attending a seminar um some uh i forgot her name she hasn't been in the movie in a while but she was famous back when i was in high school but i went to a seminar that she was doing and she was talking about how psychiatrist stepped up because she was talking about her experience as a child actor and they created this fun uh not fun but this protection thing for children uh child actors where when they get paid for a movie a commercial wherever it goes to that trust fund the parents can't touch it the agents can't touch it managers can't touch it the only people that could touch it is when that child turns 18. And um, that helps secure a lot of these child actors financial future, because one of the things is a lot of these child actors are being, you know, be on set working hard, you know, trying to please their parents. And then they turn 18, they ain't got a dollar to their name because his parents spent it on that new speedboat or that Lamborghini that they always right. wanted. Facts. And uh, taking advantage. Yeah, a lot of a lot of you know, in Hollywood, it's not surprising. A lot of parents see the money and the potential that they can make, and you know, oh, I don't want to go work a nine to five. I'm gonna have my ch my child on set for ten hours, bring home the bacon, and you know, I'm gonna reap the rewards. I'm gonna put them through all this hard work, and you know, I'm gonna live a happy life. And it's sad that a lot of child actors go through that right. because you, a lot of people don't aren't privy to it. That's why I'm glad she, Janet McCurdy, brought this up because a lot of child actors will go through phases where people don't hear from him. You know, Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin, for instance, he went through a period of drug abuse and, you know, people ridiculed him, made fun of him. But a lot of people don't realize that this dude was same thing for him. He was a big child actor star. So, you know, it was a lot of predatory stuff. And speaking of predatory stuff, another thing Jeanette McCurdy talked about her memoir was how Nickelodeon, offer her money in exchange for her silence with her experience during the filming of Sam and Cat, which was a show she did with um, Ariana Grande. So she was talking about how when she was around the age of 15, 16, 17, when she was around that age, she was being photographed in a bikini at wardrobe fittings and encouraged her to drink alcohol while working for Nickelodeon. And then they offered her $300,000 to keep a story private but she declined that money and decided to speak about it in her memoir. Um, you know, what, 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 what do you think about that, bro? I, man, I, I just Googled her just now while you were, you know, talking and I commend her, man, because, Hey, there's a lot of people that probably would have taken that 300,000. Um, 
and the fact that she was brave enough to even share her story because it, it takes a lot to open up, man. It takes a lot to, you know, dive into those dark spaces of your mind and then share that story with other people in hopes to help them. Now, I'm I'm not gonna say I'm surprised about Nickelodeon trying to, you know, pay her hush money because at the end of the day, when I think of these big networks, they're machines. You know, they might project like very family friendly images and stuff, you know, these these, these children, you know, TV programs and, and things like that. So it's like when I think of Nickelodeon, I think of my childhood and then it's just, you know, all positive. But we don't know what a lot of these young actors go through to produce these shows. And then lo and behold, all of these things that she was going through is just like, yo, like people got to, you know, investigate Nickelodeon. I don't know what they got going on over there. Tom, man, let me tell you, it's 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 funny um, because Lord know that as you do topics like this based off true life stories, and I remember a couple different episodes where they dealt with directors and producers of uh, famous children shows. Um, this one guy, I can't remember his name. He was back in the nineties and early two thousands, but from some guy from France. He was a popular figure within the sports of uh, in the realm of children TV. And this dude was molesting little kids for a long time. And then when the FBI finally caught up with him, he ran to France and he, he hasn't came back to the United States since. And he still works over there. He still gets money. He still do gigs over there. But he, he, he fled the country, never came back. And, you know, this... Um, a lot of history with people who been on children TV shows, taking advantage of children and getting away with it. So it's not surprising that, you know, Nickelodeon paid hush money because I'm sure a lot of studios do that, especially when they're trying to cover um, the tracks of, you know, their big stars or whatever the case may be. So, you know, it, it's a sad situation and it's not the first time um, people spoke about it, but I think this the most uh, obvious and the most, outspoken somebody has been regarding that process and i don't think nickelodeon has responded to uh the allegations yet and i'm probably i'm pretty sure they won't but you know i i think why would uh, they? exactly why would they i think they but you know what if you were truly innocent i think you would say something or right. if you felt like maybe we should take the high road they can be like you know what Jeanette, let's have a sit down like, you know, people have done with Dave Chappelle. Let, let, let's let's have a sit down. Let's talk about the things that's happened and let's see if we could, you know, make a resolution about it. But I just don't think they're going to do that because um, they they're going to still be the, the billion dollar company that they are tomorrow. They still are, they still are even after these allegations. Um But, you know, let, let's move on from that, because I think that was a, a, a lot of controversy. Um, but I did want to talk about another topic. Um, I don't know if you heard of this chick from Euphoria, uh, Cindy Sweeney. Another uh, one. Cindy Sweeney? Yeah. I mean, I've seen Euphoria, so once I see what this chick looks like. Yeah, I know, I know who she is. Yeah, so she came out, um, and she was talking about how she, despite being famous and everything, she doesn't have the income to cover a six month break despite euphoria fame and, and all the stuff. Um, 
and you know the ironic thing is this came maybe a couple of days after Gwyneth Paltrow came out and talked about how children of celebrities have a harder uh in 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 life than the average person uh when, when, when you hear about you know people who are popular part of popular tv shows talking about they don't make enough money do you think that's just greed or do you think that there is a discrepancy with pay um all respect to sydney sweeney um everything that she does all of that right but that's rich people problems okay i like I can only imagine how much money she probably made per episode and what she makes, you know, working on these projects that she works on, stuff like that. Like, apparently she's she's supposed to be in the upcoming, you know, Madam Web. Like, I don't care. Like, oh, I, I can't go without working for six months because I don't make enough money. Like, first of all, to be able to do what you do for a living, like, that's a privilege in and itself. So it's like she shouldn't be complaining because the, the objective anyway is to get to that point. But when you're dealing with a chick who's who's been out there since like she was a little ass kid. It's just like, oh, she doesn't know what it takes. So she, her and Gwyneth Paltrow probably share the same opinion when it comes to that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, I don't, I, I could care less about, you know, how much time she feels she, she can take off or can't take off because of the amount of income that she makes. Because again, there's some people out here that's hard for them to get a job. And you got somebody like her talking about, oh, I can't take an extensive break from acting because I don't make enough money despite how popular Euphoria is. Man, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? Um, she, so one of the things, she, so she delved into this and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give my two cents on it. But so one of the reasons part of the reason she said that she feels like she she feels that position is she's thinking about having kids with a long-term boyfriend and now fiance and she knows with that territory she's gonna be out of work for you know six months a year uh longer you know you know giving birth to children starting a family but she was talking about how even though established stars still get paid she has to give five percent to her lawyer ten percent to her agents 3% 3% or something like that to my business manager. And then she also have to pay her publicist every month. And that's more than her mortgage. And, you know, I, I, I feel bad for her. Um, Why? <laughs> Why? No, no, because I will say one thing I will agree on, and she did touch on it. And this is a, uh, this has been a hot debate with SAG-AFTRA. Uh, TV shows, uh, TV shows, movies and commercials aren't paying like they used to, especially one of the points she talked about was that even though she was, she does get paid pretty nicely due to the fact that a lot of TV shows and stuff is going on streaming services. They're not getting residuals anymore. Cause it's not, oh, it's not as much. Yeah. But I think, I think with the rise and I see with commercials too, a lot of commercials aren't doing residuals either. Um, this a whole thing with commercials. This a this a whole thing with commercials now where a lot of them going non-union. So instead of hiring SAG after uh, SAG after actors, they're doing they're filming in non-union to avoid some of the budget uh, costs that would be associated with that. And they hiring union uh, non-union actors and paying them a lot less um, to do the same type of work. But because they're doing a non-union route, they save you know five hundred thousand dollars you know for the for the whole entire cost of the commercial. So I will agree with her in that regard that the pay has definitely not been the same. But one thing I will say is as someone, uh, I think it 
it came out that she before she even started Game of Thrones, her first big uh, breakout role, she had like five million dollars in the bank. Um, she bought a, a a couple. I forgot how how much, but her home was a couple million dollars. Exactly, because so, them ex- that's exactly what I said. That's exactly what I was thinking, and I was gonna say is them expenses too damn high. So mm-hmm. she's living some luxurious lifestyle. So of course, in order to keep up that same lifestyle, you gotta work. If if because I just googled. So as of 2022, and this is probably not even accurate. But it says Sweeney was reportedly paid twenty five thousand. In season one per episode in season one of Euphoria. Now I don't know how many freaking episodes that they had in the season, but let's say they had 10 episodes. So that means she pretty much made, you know, slightly, you know, around a quarter million dollars. Okay. That is more in one season. That's more than what most people freaking will make in their lifetimes. I'm talking about net income. Cause there's some people who probably make that through the course of a lifetime, but what they actually have in the bank, the average American does not have 250 racks in their account. Right. So again, these are rich people problems and she's not going to get no sympathy for me because again, I'm not going to go and, and freaking get, that's like, you give me a million dollars, right? Oh, so I go and I buy a freaking, you know, mansion and then I get a freaking Lamborghini. And then I complain to people that I can't take, you know, time off because everything that I have to do involves paying for, you know, the, the, the luxuries that I went and sought out myself. Right. So I I don't want, I don't want to hear none of that because again, you and I, and I'm pretty sure the, the tens of thousands and probably more actors out there would kill just to have these opportunities to be on a show like Euphoria, to be in in a, in a Spider-Man, you know, universe film and stuff like that. I respect her. Trust me. I respect any actor that that has gotten to that point regardless if you have parents or whatever i respect anybody that's in that position but don't don't lose sight of the of the privilege of being able to to do what you love for a living right and you you mentioned that right in the head and she talked about that um she was talking about how she started doing brand deals with uh, or doing partnerships with brands to make up that extra income so she can sustain a life in la but this is a topic that i talk about all the time you know uh, people always ask me, uh, do I like Atlanta? I say no, because, you know, a lot of people move there and they get so used to, they get sucked in the bubble. And especially for someone like her, who's been starting to, you know, trend and become famous since Game of Thrones a couple of years ago, she um, she probably got sucked into that lifestyle and living above her means. Now, I, I say this, what what is, you know, if you make, if you have $5 million in a bank, you know, you're not exactly strapped for cash at that point. So it's either you're going to have to start cutting down some expenses or get rid of that Lamborghini that you got. And so many people think that just because you get on a TV show or a popular you know, movie or something like that, that you're going to automatically start raking in money like you will Smith. And that's where a lot of the misconception is. Some of the people that supported her feel that just because you're on a hit show doesn't mean you're going to be a billionaire, which I agree because the pay isn't the same anymore. But then again, once you are on a show like Game of Thrones, you got no reason to complain. You're making great money. You have a recurring gig. You know, one of the things about this business is you never know when the next job is coming. So I feel like for her, as much as I do appreciate the fact that she's out speaking about the pay in Hollywood, I think she's like Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, it's, it's coming from a place of privilege. 
I would yep. love to have a discre- uh, discretionary income of, you know, $700,000 a month for a year. You know what I'm saying? But I think that for someone like her, you know, to sustain her lifestyle, especially being a celebrity, she probably feel like she's not getting paid. You know, you know why? You know, see, uh, an old mentor I used to have, you know, years ago, you know what he, you know what he would call that? It's called keeping up with the Joneses. <laughs> okay. Yep. I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you ever heard that term, but she's, yep. she's trying to keep up with the Joneses and that's why she's having a hard time right now. Again, stay, stay grounded. See, it, it, and, and I, and I don't know what it feels like. I haven't been in that, in that situation where I got my lawyer that I'm paying 3% to, and then I'm negotiating with, I guess, network producers or whomever it is that you negotiate with to get paid. And then they're telling you, yeah, you know, Dimitri, so we're actually going to be paying you um, $25,000 per episode. Is that okay? I don't know what that feels like. You know what I'm saying? But because I know what it, it didn't come easy for me. I'm not going to sit there and, and then lose my mind and start doing a whole bunch of stuff that I know for a fact I shouldn't be doing. Why? Because it, it took a lot for me to get there and I don't want to lose it. But her, she got all these expenses, stuff like that. She can go broke. You know what I'm saying? Do if she if she don't if she don't work. So now they gotta account for a baby. And do, doing the math, the math, the math ain't mathing. It ain't adding up. So that's why she's doing all that talking. Right. I don't know what her boyfriend does for a living. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, again, she need to go back to the drawing board and reconsolidate. Go to you know the various wealth management firms and things like that. Private clients at, at Chase Bank at what you know wherever and then they can work it out she's gonna be all right she'll be all right i'm not worried about no goddamn sydney sweeney she'll be she'll be just fine so it's to to me it's not even like this this, that that's also asinine just like her even saying all that (laughs) you know what i'm saying i I forgot it was like when kanye would would like complain and and run his mouth and mind you i like kanye but he used to run his mouth years ago and then I think it was Charlemagne who said it. These are rich people problems. Like there's real shit going on out in the world right now for you to be complaining about that. Because you know why people like that, they lose touch. And I get it. Like I said, I don't know what it feels like for somebody to be like, yeah, I'm going to pay you five figures to do what you love to do. You know what I'm saying? And then maybe she, she, she came up from money. You know what I'm saying? Maybe she's used to a certain lifestyle. So when she got the money, she just, you know what I'm saying? Up kept it for herself. I started to upgrade, but you got to watch out. Don't keep up with the Joneses. I'll tell you this. I'll use the example. I think some people, in, in when it comes to this industry, we all know, you never know when the next job is coming. There's people who were in blockbuster, high-profile box office breaking movies, and after that one or two, three roles, they haven't done a movie or TV show since. And so you got to be wise with this, you know, in, in this business, unless you Will Smith or a uh, list celebrity where people are calling you nonstop every day to do a project, the chances are you're not going to know when the next dollar is coming from. And I think so many people got, you know, make that mistake of, you know, they get a, they, they, they get on the show and, or a movie and, you know, they see that, that, that big dollar amount, which like you said, you never know how you're going to feel until you're in that, that situation, but then they upgrade their life to a point where they forget that, when is your next opportunity come? You're not Tom Holland. You're not Will Smith. You're not going to be on a, another movie set tomorrow. So um, I think I'll use this example. A guy I know, I won't say his name because I, you know, I don't think he want, he would want me to, but he did a movie 
with an A list, A list celebrity. And this dude, he was doing, I was doing background with him uh, in New York uh, a couple of times. And background. then he got that, he get, yeah, we was doing background. But then he got this role in this movie with this A list celebrity. And that was the first time he went on a private jet. He got paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you would never know that he made that kind of money because he didn't upgrade his lifestyle that much. He might've got that car that he wanted. That was like the $40,000, but he didn't upgrade his life to match that because he, it's not like he's going to be in another movie with that same yeah, guy you, tomorrow. You never you know. know. Yeah. You, you, you will never know. You will never know when the next job comes, you know, when, when you're an actor, unless like I said, you're on a TV show and you got a recurring role on like, a, you know what I'm saying? A, a, a hit series. And whatnot. Because I was like, you give me a million dollars. Yeah, I might like rent a Lamborghini just to see how it feels, but I'm not gonna buy one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's half your money right there. Exactly. All of that money is gone. And on top of that, I still gotta pay for it. Even if I pay for a cash, I still gotta pay insurance. Which is gonna be a couple thousand dollars. Gas, exactly. Couple almost a couple thousand dollars. You gotta uh, live, you, you like you know what I'm saying? So you don't know when the, these things are coming. Yeah, maybe when you have 10 million. You know, saying twenty million, then two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You're probably not even going to see the numbers really change that much in your bank account. But if you have one mil, or you, you know, say you're a thousandaire, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Right. But this is the prime example, and I, I, I say this all. This is saying, if you're going to come into uh, into this business trying to be the richest person you're going to be, uh, you can be. Um, you're going to be broke for the, you know, for a long time because you got to do this kind of career in, in, in this field for the love of it, for the passion of it. Now, at some point, yes, you want to get paid for your work. Um, but at the same time, you're, you got to be grateful. And if you feel like you're not getting paid enough, you can, you know, talk to your agents. Hey, you know, can I get a, you know, 10% bump in pay or can I get an extra couple thousand for the next season? You know what I'm saying? Cause it's not like she's running out of work from euphoria anytime soon. That's a hit show. She could probably renegotiate her contract. But for any actor, uh, established or not, unless you're Will Smith or somebody of that caliber, you're not going to be making a couple million dollars just for one movie or just for one line in a movie. You know what I'm saying? You're going to constantly keep working. And then when you get to the point where people are calling you, then you can be like, I can upgrade my lifestyle. And that's how I kind of approach it. You know what I'm saying? If I make 50000 tomorrow, I'm not going to well, change my life. Well, here's, but. here's my thing. It's like the mistake that I feel like some people make. And, you know, I don't maybe it's subjective, you know, whether or not it's a mistake or not. But for me, it's like, yeah, you're an actor, but you can do other things when you're not on TV. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're Absolutely. not in film, like you can do other stuff. It's like, again, like, all right. So let's say let's use Jake Paul because we just talked about him. Right. Freaking Jake Paul is a YouTuber that probably makes, again, like $20 million a year on YouTube. Like, I, I don't know. But then yet he's a promoter. He boxes himself. He makes music. He does other things. So if let's say YouTube were to just, I don't know, go up and smoke tomorrow, God forbid, freaking he could still he's still other things. If they were right. to cancel you for you tomorrow, she's going to she's going to have a heart attack. Yep. Or so she get her road like, cut. <laughs> exactly like like do other other things like yeah like the the craft of acting is like phenomenal and then there's not too many things like it even on a even on a small scale it's like i just get excited at the notion of i'm gonna like the next time i get to do something because i just love to do it 
but right. you, you can still do other stuff. It's like Michael Jordan was doing other things outside of basketball. LeBron does other things outside of basketball. Follow that same template because that's what gives you longevity, not just this, just this one thing. See, when you when you have when you you're in a position like Sydney, you you got to diversify yourself. You know, when you're at that point where you're not really worrying about how you're gonna pay your bills the next month, you know what I'm saying? Diversify your income. So many rappers, uh, actors, other people, in entertainment. You see, they make a living. And they feel, but they also have side income. They they buy real estate and rent it out, you know, make that passive income or they do YouTube or they go on Twitch or they start a podcast. You know what I'm saying? This is multiple right. ways to, you know, to succeed outside of acting. And I've told you about this. This is why I do things outside of acting, you know, working with Jubilee, doing my podcast and stuff. It's not because I, I'm not focused on acting, but I also realized that the more famous you become, the more streams of, uh, revenue you can potentially make the less you're worried about when the next role is going to come because now you're, you're your mind is busy you're busy you have a business that you're trying to focus on so you know it you know like you said it's rich people problems it comes from a place of privilege where many people would scream at the opportunity to get you know i'm sure she's probably making well over five hundred thousand dollars per episode for euphoria but you know it is what it is uh do you got any final thoughts um, my final thoughts is trying to keep up with the Joneses will get you nowhere. Um, the best thing that you can do when you come into some sort of wealth or abundance of money is to play it smart and to, and to play chess, not checkers, because, you know, it's like, if you win the lottery tomorrow, don't, don't lose your mind. If, if you get like a contract to make 25 K per episode, don't lose your mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, like keep stay grounded because otherwise you're going to end up complaining about you not being able to take six months off, you know what I'm saying? Because you, you, you're, you're trying to have a kid and then nowhere in that, you know, narrative allows for you to actually take time out for yourself. Now that's unfortunate because I feel like any woman should be able to, to be home with her baby for however long she wants to, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if I'm a father and I have my woman and she's having a, you know, a, a baby, I don't want her to work for like five, five years. You know, and if she wants to work, it's because she wants to work, but not because she has to work. And, right. you know, that that's my time on that. Uh, you know, like I always say, man, stay walk or you end up broke. And, you know, Zendaya, uh, Kiki Palmer, my man, Dimitri, single, ready to mingle. So, you know, this has been a great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, bro. <laughs> <laughs> my man, Dimitri, is in a state of euphoria. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, Zendaya had me in all of that, man. All of that. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, hey, I ain't mad at you, man. Look, man, you gotta do what you gotta do, you know. <laughs> but man, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for being on the on the podcast again. You know, it's been a while, and you know, we're gonna have some more content coming out. So, you know, thank you, Dimitri, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. And like I always say, a helping hand is a better hand. Thank you, bro. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm.